Let's go ahead and get started tonight if we can, please. We're missing several tonight because they're going to area-wide at Iuka. So if y'all will come on in tonight, we'll get started. Books of the Bible, are you ready? Hold it. How many is, how many is in the Old Testament? 39. How many is in the New Testament? What's the first book of the Bible? Let's go. Ah! 
to announce the Lord's Supper. Thank you. See, I think about it every Sunday night, but I just don't do it. All right, if you're here tonight and you did not have the opportunity to partake of the Lord's Supper this morning and you want to be served at this time, just make your way back to the little chapel uh, to my left in the back and you'll be served. We see. 
Excellent job. Before we go to class tonight, uh, we've got a few announcements that we want to make before our song for our teachers. First of all, thank you for being here tonight. We have some who are visitors. I know we have several of our group that's gone to Ayuka tonight, but that's okay. You're here, and uh, you, as our guest tonight, we are honored to have you and hope you want to come back and be with us anytime you have an opportunity. I do want to remind everybody that next Sunday night, the Fruit Hardeman Corral is going to be with us, so we will not be having our kids sing uh, next Sunday night. Uh, the young men from the corral will be conducting a devotional at 5 o'clock for our service. No classes will meet at all. And at the con you'll, you need to be here, though, for that, okay? Uh, at the conclusion of the devotional period, uh, the corral will present their program, and then we have get to have a congregational fellowship meal in the annex following uh, our visitation team will be helping with the meal. They ask that everyone attending please bring uh, several potluck dishes. There are sign-up sheets out in the foyer for those who can help set up uh, and clean up. Also, I want to remind everyone of the food pantry and clothes closet. It will be open this Thursday from 9 until 1030. And then two weeks from tonight, on October the 29th, uh, will be our trunk or treat. And there are sign-up sheets already available back there if you would like to decorate a trunk or if you have questions please see uh, Guy or Amelia Gardner if you would like to help or want some more information. I believe that's all the announcements that I have. Let's do remember those that are sick uh, in our prayers. Brother Billy Deaton has his surgery coming up this week.
others who've lost loved ones, and let's do what we can to seek out those that need our encouragement and do so. Will you please bow with me? A merciful and kind Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for all the blessings that you give us each day. We're so mindful of your love and your grace toward us for the bountiful material and physical blessings that you bestow upon us each day. Father, we're mindful of many that are sick, that need our prayers. Uh, we ask your blessings upon Brother Deaton as he has surgery this week. There are others that we know, Father, that have uh, doctor's appointments and other kinds of treatments. We pray that you would bless those as well. Father, again, we ask your blessings upon those who've lost loved ones. We pray that you would comfort and strengthen them in their grief. And Father, we are so thankful for this congregation that meets here at Boonville. We're thankful for the shining light that this church continues to be in our community. Please bless our elders and uh, please bless all those that work and endeavor to expand your kingdom here at this place. Most of all, Father, we're thankful for your son, Jesus, who died on the cross for our sins. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Uh, Braden's going to come and lead us in a song. Blue skies and Good evening, everybody. 
Great to see you. Hope you had a really wonderful day today. This class is studying wisdom literature. How many of you have read through all of the book of Job? Wow, good. Psalms? Yay. Proverbs? Ecclesiastes? Song of Solomon? Okay. Some of you are really teetering on greatness there. I'm really, really excited about that. Because I think the first, I think when we started this, I asked for a show of hands and didn't see but maybe one or two. So thank you for being diligent in that, reading those scriptures. And God is going to bless you for it. I believe that to be absolutely true. Okay, we're going to go over this list of sick people. And if you have an update for someone, I would appreciate hearing about it. And then at the end, if you would like to add someone, we'll put them on the list too. This usually is... Oh, okay. This is the list we generally use on Monday nights in the elders meeting. So you know that our godly elders are praying for you and we're praying in this class. So I want to, to remember the sick. We see results. I appreciate God's hearing us. Okay, let's go through it. And Irene Baker has terminal cancer. Austin Wentz receives treatments every other week or so. He seems to be doing okay. Wade Davis is still missing since June the 22nd of last year. Bobby Petty and Paul Rollison both have cancer. Lex and Regina Crossan have health problems. Marty and his wife Donna have breast cancer. Eli Johnson's undergoing treatments for cancer. Ann Langford is Lisa Peake's friend, and she has a lot of health problems trying to work through. Emma Hutton has cancer. Paula Nichols has terminal cancer. Sharon Strickland has cancer. Grayson Miller has cancer. Linda Garrett's undergoing treatments, infusions now, through the end of the year, I think. So pray that that goes well. Barbara Foster has breast cancer. Remember Dave and Lynette. So they're dealing with some problems. Pray Lynette gets a really good job. Larry Muse is a friend of Joe's. He has colon cancer. Lennox Kenimer and Micah McBrayer are ch small children that have cancer. Sybil Tollison is the Liggins neighbor. She has Alzheimer's. Jeremy Owens is in recovery. Loxley Eaton has cancer. Joanne Roberts has neuropathy in her hands and feet. Eddie Kraft has liver cancer. Trevor Brown's brother Michael's undergoing rehab. Jayla Ross is making some progress. Her feeling has returned in some areas of her body. She's able to swallow now, and we're very thankful for that. Sadie Downs is 15 and is battling stomach cancer. Susan Wood is Brenda Taylor's niece. She has breast cancer. 
Johnny Derrick has lung cancer. Sammy, who, who is the friend of Sammy Barnett? Yes, what's the progress? See there, Monique Brown, friend of Missy's, has breast cancer. Billy Martin's friend, Christy Nash, is very sick. Norma Hemwell, still doing okay? Worse again. When you got better, well, Joan broke her foot, so we pray you recover quickly. Joan's got her hands full. And Luther, Luther too. Joey Jameson, recovering. Rhonda Lansdale's friend of Missy's has breast cancer. Lisa Griffin's mother. Anybody know how she's doing? Okay, good, good. Dennis Brown is going to be staying around Vanderbilt probably through Christmas. Ruby Hughes is in recovery. Terry Ross needs a liver transplant. Sean Crum needs a liver and kidney transplant. Sue, any progress on that? Junior Wilson has pancreatic cancer. Allie Johnson undergoing chemo. Jonathan Bishop, extensive cancer. Uh, Billy was here today. You probably saw him, but he's having surgery on Tuesday morning. Flora Warner was at our devotional today. And she was surrounded by friends and family. That was wonderful. That's, that's very positive. Pat Hall has cancer. Derek Timsfeld broke his back. Mar Don't see Marilyn. There's Marilyn. Hey, Marilyn, how is he? Okay. Mike Johnson has cancer, surgery on the 23rd. Jerry Ryan is friend of Mickey Scott's, very sick with cancer. Marcia Oden, Jimmy Tim's sister passed away on Tuesday, so please remember all those involved. There was a graveside service at Snowdown on Friday. Ken Wade, is Tom's uncle. He has a lot of health problems. Mary King has a lot of health problems. That's a friend of Lisa's. Brad Sloan has multiple sclerosis, just diagnosed. And Luther and Joan's great-granddaughter, Nina Jo Godsey, uh, she has RSV. She was in the hospital last week. She's returned home, but we want to pray for her. She'll get a, have a full recovery. Anybody else? Put Ben back on there. Is it your back? Oh. Okay.
Well, we're glad you're here despite that. All right. Anyone else? Okay. Let's have our prayer and then we'll begin. And thank you so much for being here. Our Father in heaven, thank you for a really pretty day. Thank you for the dramatic change in the season. And it was really great driving up to Tennessee the other day and just seeing the foliage. Some of the leaves are starting to fall and the cooler temperature. Just thank you for the relief from just a few weeks ago. It was so hot. We do pray, Lord, for rain and nourishment for our ground, but we're just very grateful for what you provide us. Thank you, Lord, for this church family, and thank you for our leadership here, for everyone who participates in the work that's being done. Just really grateful for so many hands to this work. We pray, Lord, though, that you will be with these folks who are related some way to our members or are friends of our members. Of course, our will would be that every one of these folks would be in recovery and do well. But we resign ourselves to your will and we're just praying, Lord, that you will give specific attention to these folks and at least provide comfort and encouragement and use us so many of these folks we know personally, so please motivate us to reach out and be a support and comfort to these folks. We pray for Irene Baker, even though she's experiencing pain continually now, we pray that she'll have good days, and especially with her family. Pray for Austin Wentz and his treatments. We pray that he's coming to the end of that. We pray for the Davis family as they still are missing Wade, and we pray for closure. We ask your blessings on Bobby Petty and Paul Rollison who have cancer. Bless the Crossons that they can recover from their health problems. Bless Marty and Donna Woodruff who both have cancer. We pray for Eli Johnson as he undergoes treatments. Bless Ann Langford that she can find relief from her various health problems. Pray for Emma Hutton, who has cancer, and Paula Nichols, who's in the latter stages of her cancer. Bless Sharon Strickland, Grayson Miller in their battle with cancer. We pray for Linda as she continues to go through these infusion treatments, but we just rejoice that she's gotten this far, and we just love her infectious, bubbly spirit, and we pray that she will continue to have that. Bless Barbara Foster, who has cancer. Bless the Woodrows. Uh, help Dave to uh, get the help he needs. And we pray for Lynette that she can find a really good job and insurance for their family. Pray for Larry Muse, who has cancer. For Lennox and Micah and their families as they seek treatments for their cancers. Bless Sybil Tolleson, who has Alzheimer's, and for her caregivers. Bless Jeremy Owens in his recovery, and bless Rita as she tends to him. We pray for Loxley Eaton, who's taking treatments for cancer. Bless Joanne Roberts, who has neuropathy. 
We pray for Eddie Kraft, who has cancer, for Treva Brown's brother, Michael, who's going through rehab. We pray your blessings on Jayla Ross, that she will make progress every day and bless her family and the hope that they have for her recovery. Pray for Sadie Down, so young, dealing with stomach cancer. Bless Susan Wood, who has breast cancer. Bless Johnny Derrick, who has lung cancer. Sammy Barnett, we rejoice that it's gotten good reports, and we just we thank you for blessing uh, Sammy's life. We pray for Monique Brown, who has breast cancer. Be with Billy Martin's friend Christy, who's very sick. We pray for Norma, whose uh, situation fluctuates so much, but we pray that her health would return to her. Bless Joan as she tends to her physical needs. We also pray for Joan that her foot will heal well and uh, she will be back to normal soon. Bless Joy Jamison and his recovery. Bless Rhonda Lansdale who has cancer, Lisa Griffin's mother in her recovery from surgery. We pray for the family of Dennis Brown as he has to be at Vanderbilt for so long. We pray that uh, their living conditions will be good and provided for them. Bless Reba Hughes. In her recovery, we pray for Terry Ross, who needs a liver transplant, for Sean Crum, who needs a liver and kidney transplant. Pray for Junior Wilson, who has cancer, Allie Johnson, who's undergoing chemo. Bless Jonathan Bishop, who has extensive cancer. We pray, Father, that you will bless Billy Deaton as he has surgery on Tuesday. We pray your blessings on all who are tending to him, that they will have extraordinary skill on that day and that they will accomplish the goals that have been set. And we pray this long series of treatments will soon be over and he'll be well. We pray for Flora Warner in her new living situation and pray that she had a good day today surrounded by her family and praise her spirit is lifted. Bless Pat Hall who has cancer. Bless Derek Timms who fell and broke his back. We pray that his treatment will go well. Bless Mike Johnson who has cancer and facing surgery. Pray for Jerry Ryan and comfort there. We also pray for Mickey whose heart is hurt over all this. We pray for Marcia Oden's family in her passing. We pray comfort for her and especially for our Jimmy. Bless Ken Wade and his health problems. Pray he'll get relief. Pray for Mary King who has lots of health problems too. And uh, help Lisa to be a source of comfort as she reaches out to her friend. Pray for Brad Sloan who's been diagnosed with MS. We pray that he can get treatment that will help arrest progress of that condition. We pray for Nina Jo, who has RSV. We pray that the treatment she's receiving is going to be effective and that she will be well. And Lord, bless Ben. He's been through a lot of health problems of late. And we just pray that whatever's going on, that he's going to get the treatment he needs, feel better and do better. Lord, thank you for our time together. Talk about your word and just how, how awesome it is. And especially the promise you have in our digging through these things that 
you'll make us wise as we absorb and put into practice your word. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I have for you some materials in the event that you are missing the book of Job. I have, I think, five still. Anybody need Job? Oh boy, I need a helper, quick. Here he is. All right, these are like this. Just take one, take the next one. They're in little, already in line. Just take one and hand that packet to them. Okay, just raise your hand if you need Job. If you have been anticipating the opportunity wherein you could get Psalms, I got five of those. Any, wait a minute, wait, it might be six. No, it's Proverbs. Sorry. Five, just like I thought. Anybody need the book of Psalms? Boy, I need some help right now. Anybody want to help? Anybody want to help? Anybody want to help? Okay. Here we go. Raise your hand up high so Rick can see you. Short and all, you know. Yeah, just lift that up there. That's the whole thing right there. Psalms. Anybody need Proverbs? Anybody need Proverbs? Okay, I need another helper. Anybody want to help? Oh, here's JT. He's finished already. Okay, same thing. Here's the whole packet. Just hand them one of those. Uh, raise your hand if you need the book of Proverbs. Guess what? Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. Yeah, everybody's going to need one of these. So I'm going to need a couple of helpers here to hand these out. One sheet for everybody. You'll say, Ken, there's not much on there. No, there's not. Yay. Isn't that wonderful? So if I could get a little help. What you got, Rick? Psalms. Psalms. Anybody else need Psalms? Here's, one over, here's a couple over here. Some who were shy to begin with. Now they've decided, yeah, they want one. Okay, now what you're getting here with the book of Ecclesiastes is similar to what you have received with the other books. And that is, there is a general synopsis, an outline of the book, and there's a reader's guide. The reader's guide is to give you some very basic information about how the book is laid out. That is going to be true with any of these that you go into. Hey, I just generally want a refresher in my mind of how this book is broken down. Just look at the reader's guide and that will give that to you. Oh, wait a minute. I need more than that. This is a big old book. And man, I wish I, wish I had kind of a synopsis of the book. Wouldn't that be helpful? Just kind of a general write, a writing of, of what's going on in the book. Thank you very much, JT. Uh, that's what that's for. So I've done that for you here with the book of Ecclesiastes. The reason that is so small is because Ecclesiastes is again different from the others that we've looked at before. There, there is the early section that's pretty well a declaration of what's coming. Then there is, for lack of a better way of describing it, there is basically like a, a laboratory experiment. 
Good old Solomon, that old wise man, he is willing to go through whatever it takes to find out if human wisdom itself, human wisdom. Now, I, I say that's with emphasis because there is a contrast that's going to be developed in this book. The contrast between what is godly wisdom You've loaded yourself up with that. The, the assumption is that most people know about that. That does not require an experiment. If I want godly wisdom, where can I go get it? Right there in the word of God. And Solomon, for purposes of this comparison, would tell you, hey, you know, it's not like I'm self-promoting here or anything. But you could go right there and look at the book of Proverbs and you'd get a good dose of wisdom, godly wisdom. Now, Solomon has put out 3,000 wise sayings, not all of which are found in the book of Proverbs, but those that are found are those who are absolutely endorsed by God, not just for the time in which they were written, but for all time. So, hey, you wanna know about godly wisdom, you turn to the word of God. However, a lot of people begin to question, well, wait a minute, there's other wisdom in the world. There are other wise people. And so since they're these wise people and, and they, they give scenarios about how to successfully experience happiness. Thank you very much, Jim. Since we've got all those people out there, then the question would be, wait a minute, Okay, so godly wisdom, we know, we know what that will result in. Well, what about human wisdom? Will human wisdom result in absolute happiness for people? And so that's what much of this book is about. Solomon, a man endowed by God with extraordinary unparalleled wisdom, who will take, on the one hand, God's wisdom, set that aside, that's for you, and then here on the other hand, what I'm going to do is I'm going to experiment because I have more resources than any other human being on earth. I'm going to experiment and see if what the, the wise who are wise in worldly things, if what they say is true. If I experience that, will I be happy? Will that provide lasting happiness. So that in a nutshell is what is going to be going on in the book of Ecclesiastes. I wanted to look with you at a verse of, well, we're going to look at several verses. Uh, you can open your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter two. We're going to start at verse three, which basically is the theme of the book, but we're going to carry it down through verse 11 because he is going to outline for us right there the experiment before it actually begins. So we're looking in Ecclesiastes chapter two. We're gonna start at verse three. If, if you're in the habit or the practice of marking in your Bible, this verse by itself is basically the theme of the book. But what will ensue after that, at least through verse 11, is a description of how he plans to go about the experiment to determine whether or not human wisdom is valid compared to godly divine wisdom. What will happen in this book? I've, I've said, and 
I think most people would concur, is that what you read here, even though we know it was said in a different time, different place, different culture, all those things are so much different, yet what we read, the outcomes are, are exactly the same. I want to say that it is very much like reading the newspaper. Now, not in the sense that there are all these articles lined up like Brant might do in the newspaper, but the overall sense of it is very much the same. For instance, used to be when you went to the newspaper, it was basically news, not just commentary. <laughs> okay, it was news, just explain. I remember reading back at least the, the newspapers that we had in our area, they talked about so-and-so's cow got out and, you know, had to go round it up or whatever. They just talked about current events in the news. It was news. What is news? Okay. So what's new? That was the idea. Today, when you tap into the news, it is often a journaling of all of the extraordinarily bad things that are happening. That's all. That is kind of what I get with the book of Ecclesiastes. People just doing everything that they can imagine doing and then getting into messes and into trouble. So Ecclesiastes chapter 2, remember verse 3 by itself will be our theme for the book, but watch what follows in, in these verses. He said, I searched, I searched in my heart how to gratify my flesh with wine while guiding my heart with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the sons of men to do under heaven all the days of their lives. I want to stop right there and just notice with you, this is, this is different. He is not saying, I want you to go with me and tap into the wisdom of the ages. He is saying, I want you to walk with me as a man who has tapped into the wisdom of the ages, now seeks after foolish things. I made my, my works great. I built myself houses and planted myself vineyards. I made myself gardens and orchards, and I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools from which to water the growing trees of the grove. I acquired male and female servants, had servants born in my house. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the special treasures of kings and of the provinces. I acquired male and female singers, the delights of the sons of men, and musical instruments of all kinds. So I became great and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. And I want to stop right there, too. Because typically when a servant of God who has been endowed by God with extraordinary gifts becomes unfaithful, what does God do? He takes it away. I mean, that was a promise from the very beginning. If you are faithful, I will bless you. If you are unfaithful, I will curse you. 
Okay. Solomon says, okay, now here's a little twist. I gathered all these things together. I have all these riches. I have everything at hand to do whatever I want to do. And I set my mind to follow after foolishness and God is allowing it to happen. Now stop right there. What is the benefit of God allowing that to happen? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Ultimately, it'll be this book. Yes. Here's, here is a tendency of people. Here's a tendency of people. Someone says they did something and then everybody that hears that, at least their circle of friends decide, yeah, I want to try that too. Even if they faltered, they may think, well, I might get away with it. Now, differing from that was the time that my friend Craig Stroud and I decided that we could fly. We had been watching Shazam. I don't know if you remember that show used to be on. We had convinced ourselves that if we said Shazam while we were standing on the top of the barn roof, that we would be able to fly and subsequently we could jump off the roof and have no problems. And so Craig went first. And when he landed, it turns out he wasn't a superhero. Actually broke both of his ankles. Well, as he was writhing in pain down there, I decided, you know what? I don't think I'm going to do that. Not everybody's wise like that, right? A lot of people hear so-and-so did something. They want to do it too. What is, the, what is, what is one of the best deterrents from making the same mistakes that others make. Seeing the results, hearing the account of it word for word, exactly what happened and what was the result. Now, are there still going to be people who say, eh, well, that might've been true for him, but I might, I might be able to get, of course, there'll always be people like that. But if you are seeking wisdom You don't, when you read the book of Ecclesiastes, you don't have to step back and say, well, I don't know. Maybe I should try that. No, if you are a wise, if you are seeking God's wisdom, then what Solomon goes, what Solomon is allowed to progress through is going to teach you differently. If you are what, in other words, Solomon is saying, if you're wise, If that's really what you are pursuing, you won't go this way because I've done it. And if anybody could have done it and gotten away with it, with all that I had, it would have been me. Whatever my eyes desired, verse 10, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure for my heart rejoiced in all my labors. And this was my reward from all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had done and on all the labor in which I had toiled. And indeed, it was vanity and grasping for the wind. There was no profit under the sun. When you have all the wealth at your disposal, when you have, when you have the intellect by which you could measure every quantifiable choice and you can choose whichever way you want to go and know it's going to be successful and yet you failed to achieve anything, 
What should that tell you about the pursuit? It is a huge waste of what he will talk about in chapter three. Time. Yes, remember we looked at that text? A big waste of time. Now, after all is said and done in Ecclesiastes, we're going to chapter 12 right now at verse eight. After all is said and done, and this is after several, several cycles of his participating in all kinds of fleshly enticements and trying to satisfy and be happy with what most people think will bring you happiness. Ultimately, he says, when that is how you pursue it, when you pursue happiness from a well of carnality, and that's what we're really contrasting, spirituality and carnality, the spirit and the flesh. When you choose to try and satisfy yourself with carnal pursuits, here's what you get. He says it over and over and over, but this is the last time he will say it in the concluding chapter of this book. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, what? All is vanity. Uh, what is included in all right here? Everything under the sun. Remember, we were set in contrast between spirituality and carnality. If your pursuit is carnal satisfaction, just satisfying the flesh, guess what? You will never, ever, ever be satisfied. You'll never truly be happy in that pursuit because there are always consequences to the sin that is, a, that is associated with carnal pursuits. Now, here's an interesting question, and, and I wouldn't normally ask it because in this book, Solomon says, I wrote this at least three different times in the very first chapter. He says it in chapter one, verse one. He says it in chapter one, verse 12. He says it in chapter one, verse 16. In every one of those, he sets it out. Hey, I'm the one writing this. I'm the one writing this. Why do you think he emphasizes that so much? Yes, I think, I think that's absolutely right. Solomon, <laughs> you know, it's like uh, our, our king, really? And Solomon's like, yeah, yeah, really, really. I know you wouldn't believe it. So I'm putting my sign seal on this. Yeah, it's me. What's also kind of interesting to me, if you like word studies and things like that, words, the original words in these things tell us a lot. And you hear in this text from the very beginning, Solomon referring to himself and then almost exclusively throughout it, he refers to himself as the preacher. Okay, the preacher. It comes from a Hebrew word that means exactly what it's translated, a preacher. In the Greek, it's the word ecclesiastes. Well, that just happens to be the title of our book, right? So ecclesiastes. In the Greek, the word ecclesiastes means a speaker before an assembly. Speaker before an assembly. What is this book 
being used for? What is it being used to accomplish? Think now, Ecclesiastes, it's the preacher. It's like as though this book is a what? It's like it's a sermon. And Solomon, so, okay, Solomon is, Solomon's the king. What is the king's job? Take care of the people. Yeah, his responsibility is see to the care of this nation. Whose nation is this? It's God's nation. Heavy responsibility. Okay, so I've been hearing, now you gotta put, you gotta try to, and I'm glad that you've read all these books now already, but you gotta try and put yourself in the mind of the wisest man who ever lived. So I, wisest man who ever lived says, I, you know, originally at the start of this, when I became king, I went to God and I prayed that he would give me the wisdom and the wherewithal to lead and to judge these people. And that's what he did. And now, you know, I'm dealing with these people and I'm here, these people come and they want to hear the great wisdom of Solomon, blah, blah, blah. And what I'm hearing is, you know, people, people speaking worldly wisdom. And that's got me to thinking, you know, wait a minute, are the people, and it's like going back to the old, the prophets, right? When Elijah has the big showdown with uh, the, uh, the prophets of Baal, who is going to be the true God? Solomon is kind of in a moment like that. Who are we going to follow? Are we going to follow the wisdom of God that will provide us with, with a relationship with him where he will bless us? Or are we going to follow after the wisdom of the world and find the demise of this nation? As the king, I can't stand for that. And so what I am going to do is I'm going to go through it for you, I'm going to write down every experience that I've had related to it. And then as it were, I'm going to stand before you and I'm going to what? I'm going to preach it. I'm going to preach it. It is as though I stand before the multitude to speak concerning the contrast that exists with the wisdom of God and the foolishness of men, the foolishness that is under the sun, the carnality that people aspire to so much. Okay, that was good for whom? I mean, if that's the story. Who's that good for? Initially, that's really good for. Okay, the people who, who, who hear this, right? It, it was, there are three different ways to look at this. There's the historical purpose. There is the doctrinal purpose. There's the Christological purpose. Let's think about the historical purpose to begin with. Why, why is this book centered around a historical purpose? And what is that purpose? Okay, so kind of laid that out for you a little bit here. Wrote it so that I could share my conclusions with people so that you will know you don't need to venture into that. I tried it. It doesn't work. It's a waste of time. We need to. And what is the conclusion of the matter? Chapter 12, verse 13. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole of man. This is what it's all about. So I want to steer you away from the experience of carnal things. Some of you are going to do it anyway, but those who are in pursuit of wisdom, you won't because you will see this is the wise procedure. I've gone through it. I've experienced it. And here's the outcome. 
My conclusion, fear God and keep his commandments. That's true wisdom. That's what we need to be pursuing. Okay, so this is laid out there for the people. All of Israel as a benefit then, if they'll adhere to that, this nation's going to be what? This nation's going to be blessed, right? Yes, that is the historical purpose of the book. Wisdom of the ages. If I just wrote this book and people read it, I think it would make a difference. Okay, historical purpose. What would be the doctrinal purpose in something like this then? And when you talk about doctrine, you're talking about the evangelistic purpose of it, the theological purpose, even, even that which points to the practical application. And that's where chapter 12, verse 13 comes in. In fact, I, I really see all three in that verse. I guess I better pull it up there for you if you haven't looked it up yet. Here we are. Okay. Doctrinal purpose. Where do I see, where do I see God in this? Theological aspect. Fear God. What does it mean to fear God? Obey him. That's one component of it. What else? Okay, it is a, it is a reverence for God. Okay, absolutely. This reverence for God or this respect for God is set in contrast to the carnal world, yes? Okay, love for God in, in fear, okay. But it's certainly an awe and a respect for God. Okay, what is the, if, 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 that is, if that is the emphasis, then back up to the first one that I listed, and that would be the evangelistic purpose. What, what evangelistic role would a book like this play? Okay, exactly right. Not only was this going to be a benefit to those in Solomon's time not to pursue after foolish and carnal uh, things, but that's also going to impact us through the ages, right? I've tried to remind you every time with every one of these books, there are two passages in the New Testament that remind us of the importance of the Old Testament scriptures. One is 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11. And that's talking about a specific incident that we learn from that. But generally that is true because of what Romans 15 and verse 4 says, right? These things were written uh, for the very purpose of developing our fear and, and hope and comfort with regard to God. So that's the evangelistic aspect. This document, this truth is applicable to every single time. That's what I was getting at with that kind of the comparison with the newspaper. What you read here is applicable to everyday living. Okay, fear God, that was the other thing. And then the last thing was the practicality in terms of doctrinal uh, purpose. What's the practical aspect of this statement right here? Okay, I, that's what I'm thinking. Uh, ultimately, it's the home in heaven. But yeah, better life here right? 
How can I be happy? That, that's ultimately the question. Am I going to be happy in the carnal pursuit? The answer is, if you read the book, the answer is no. Am I going to be happy in a spiritual pursuit? Absolutely yes. Okay? That's, that is a doctrinal purpose in a book. What does it have to say with regard to God? How does it impact all of time? That's the evangelistic aspect, just the way it, it touches each time. And this is clearly good for all time. And then finally, how, how do I put it into practice? Well, just like they would have. I make the conclusion, it's foolish to pursue carnal things. I'm going to pursue the spiritual. I'm going to fear God and keep his commandments. That's going to be my all. And then the last one is Christological. I see the people coming in. I want to give you two texts. One is right here in chapter 12. It's at verse 8. He's going to talk about the shepherd. It is, it's, it's a little bit unnerving how that's just dropped in there at verse 8. I'm sorry, verse 11. The words of the wise are like goads. The words of the scholars are like well-driven nails given by one. You notice the English translators capitalized the word shepherd. Why did they do that? Because even in this text, the allusion is to the cross. Yes. When you, when you follow this up, tonight, if you do it tonight or subsequent days, cross that with John chapter 10 and verse 16 and see what you get. It's, I just think it's beautiful. Okay. Let's have a prayer and then we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you so much for your blessings today. Thank you for our time together as a family. Thank you for these wise books. And I pray Lord, you'll just motivate us to read it and absorb it. And, and then as we learn here tonight, to put these things into practice in our life. You will bless it. We pray, Lord, that you'll keep us safe in our travel tonight. And if you'll give us a new day, pray that we'll use it in ways that really please you. In Jesus' name, amen. To get